Hi, my name is Agile, and I support Gen X Grown Up through Patreon, and I believe you should too. Just go to patreon.com slash genxgrownup. Gen X Grown Up is a YouTube channel, website, and audio podcast you're listening to right now. All made for and by people who love exploring media, games, tech, and toys of yesterday and today through the eyes of Gen Xers who refuse to grow up. Your dinner cannot just be french fries. Basically, life sucks as a grown-up. Welcome back, Gen X Grown Up podcast listener, to this backtrack edition of the Gen X Grown Up podcast. I am John. Joining me, as always, my friends and co-hosts, Mo. Hey, everybody. And George. Hey, how's it going, guys? The backtrack edition of our show is, of course, the one where we pick a single nostalgic topic to dig in deep on. And man, is it a special one this time. This oh, episode, yeah. we're going to be talking all about the space race. I, I'm trying to forget how we keep it to a reasonable amount of time. because oh, let's just give that up. That's not going to happen. <laughs> no way that we could fully encompass just the, the scope and the impact and the grandeur of everything that is the, the race to getting to outer space, to getting to the moon. We're going to get into that, but I absolutely at the top have to give credit where credit is due. This entire episode was inspired by one of our fourth listeners, Thomas. Hey, oh, Thomas. Wow. Can we blame him for Dewey Decimal System also? <laughs> no, we can't blame him. For that. No, this, this is, that was all our fault. Oh, that was this all though us, right? is completely, yeah, credit goes to Thomas. Thomas right. actually wrote us several months ago and we were looking, we we're going, you know, what's coming up is the 50th anniversary of the landing on the moon. And I'm like, we absolutely should save this and do it around that time. Wow. Topical. <laughs> right. <laughs> and the 50th anniversary was July 20th, 2019. Mm-hmm. This episode drops just a few days after that. But let's go right back to the email that inspired this episode from Thomas. He wrote in to say, Mo, George and John, as a regular listener, I feel I should be giving back. So here is a backtrack <laughs> suggestion. I've tried to summarize it best I can, but honestly, there's so many ways you could explore this topic. The influence of drum roll and actually wrote out the word drum roll, (laughs) the space race. So as Gen Xers, we by and large missed the actual space race of the 50s and 60s, but it was such a major achievement. It was still well entrenched in the collective conscious of the country well into the 70s and 80s. And he is so, so right. Oh, Oh, yeah, yeah. absolutely. And I'll tell you, Tom's email was really, really long. In fact, we're going to have to send royalties to Thomas because not only did he send this idea, he like broke it down into topics we could talk about. And we have actually used that to kind of line up the show that we're going to use and discuss all different impacts. Well, why don't we just let Thomas do the show then so we can take a vacation this week? We could take we a week off. I think that's a great idea. <laughs> right? So Thomas, just email us the show when you're ready and we'll set it up on the, on the feed. <laughs> so that is exactly what we're going to do in this episode. We're taking Thomas's not only suggestion, we're going to run down the ways that the space race influenced Generation Xers like ourselves. As you listen to this then, if you are a fourth listener, of course, we always love when the fourth listener writes in. But if you have a suggestion for a backtrack, you could be just like Thomas and be featured. You can hit us up at podcast at genxgrownup.com and you could be next up on the docket. I mean, I'm all for people totally writing our show for us. It really, really cuts down on the work. I'm so so appreciative. All right, Thomas, thanks for your input. It's time to get into the space race right after this. 1957, year of space and Sputnik dogs. Laika, first space traveler, was ready for the takeoff. At 600 miles, the half-ton satellite joined the meteors in outer space to orbit around the Earth at 18,000 miles an hour with its passenger. A shocked America attempted to launch a grapefruit-sized satellite on the Vanguard rocket with disastrous results. We said already, July 20th, 1969, just a few days ago, 
the 50th anniversary mm. of men setting foot on the moon. We were a little young to have seen this. Yeah, even me. <laughs> George wasn't born. I was two years old. Yeah, no, I was totally young. I was minus two. You were minus two? Minus and I was two. like a month old. <laughs> that isn't the entirety of the space race. I think this was like the pinnacle of the space race. The space race has ran for years before that. Before we get into landing on the moon, though, let me just decide where we sit in terms to going to the moon, going to space. And knowing all the risks, would you go to outer space? Mo, how about you? <sighs> Yeah, I would. <laughs> now, would I go to Mars? That sounded so defeated. Well, like, I'll oh, think about because yeah. right now, like the, the, the question these days is, would you go to Mars? Like, and we keep okay. saying that's the latest thing. And yeah. I would say hell no to that because no, just wouldn't do too it. much. Too but much. You, you'd but go to, to the moon. Go, it's an orbit. And okay, to, oh, so just uh, just a quick mission up and down. Yeah, you just experience it. That would be amazing. I don't think how you could ever turn down an experience like that. George, what about you? Where do you sit on the spectrum? Would you go to Mars, you know, deep orbit, a long-term mission? What, how do you feel about it? And there's huge risks. Am I doing this like my movie scale where I have A-list free ride <laughs> and $5 <laughs> Tuesday? It, would I go to the moon and back? Yes, probably. If I was 20 years younger, when I was still in shape and could handle all the physical toll right now? No, I, I can't make it to the <laughs> Philippines and back without ending up on a hospital table. So I probably would wouldn't go right now, but I've seen a lot lately being the 50th anniversary. A lot of TV shows and stuff have been talking about the space race. And what's amazing is what's going on right now with NASA trying to send more people to the moon in the upcoming years. And all the stuff that they're having these astronauts go through, like these isolation experiments where they yeah, sit the, the in the thing for 45 days. That's the part that I don't think I can handle. I know to the moon and back is, you know, within a week or two weeks or whatever. It's not a, as long a trip as, say, like Moe's going to Mars. But I don't think I would want to be basically imprisoned in that little <laughs> space because it's not like it is in the movies where you have these grandiose <laughs> bubble cities or anything like that. And that's something I don't think I would want to experience. I can look at it from here and I can watch it on TV. I'm good from that point. <laughs> it is. It's a huge toll, not just physically, but emotionally and mentally and psychologically. There's so much that goes through it. I I always thought as a kid, I would love to go to space. Like we all did. I think we're going to get into oh, kind yeah. of how it inspired yeah. us emotionally. And the downside is so staggering. It, like if I had no attachments, I had no family and no friends <laughs> and nobody like maybe, but there's so much at risk. I'm just not that daredevil. I, I would love to go one once it was like getting on an airplane. <laughs> oh, once Virgin Atlantic has their Virgin space right. travel. Yeah, that's right. right. Yeah, like, is, like if well, it was in 2001 or? where you had the first class and the, the stewardess walking with the Velcro slippers and the bubble hat. <laughs> yeah, and that was also Pan Am, which we know what right, happened Pan to them. So. <laughs> yeah, we know what happened there. Yeah, not so much. If it was something like that, maybe I would go if it was that comfortable. But it's not yeah. comfortable. The thing no, that those people be for go a while. through, it's crazy. Yeah, I don't know that it'll even be in our lifetime. July 20th, 1969, Apollo 11's lunar module set down on the surface of the moon. But that was far from the beginning of the space race. The whole competition, if you want to call it that, began in earnest in August of 1955, well before our 10X era. <laughs> right. And oh, that yeah. was when the Soviet Union responded to our U.S. announcement that we intended to launch artificial satellites into orbit by the end of that year. And the Soviet Union would not have that. <laughs> they you would know. not. No. They would no, not. No. <laughs> they had dogs and little round metal balls to spare. So they were just throwing everything at the sky <laughs> was, at that we point. We got monkeys. We got dogs. We're, we're, <laughs> we're ready for the race, U.S. 
1957, the Soviet Union did successfully launch Sputnik 1 yeah. into space. Which I heard terrified. I mean, again, this is not for having lived people, through it, but people freaked yes. about that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, the Sputnik 1 was literally a metal ball spinning yeah. around in orbit. But, I mean, being on this side of the globe, we don't know what technology the Soviets have. Is it spying on us? Is it taking photos? Is it? <laughs> right. They didn't have any of that capacity, well, this of course. Is way before the internet or any of that kind of stuff. So, you know, news came to you from one of your three major television stations. In all honesty, the news anchors, if you look at some of those news broadcasts from back in the day, they were all doom and gloom about this thing. They were like, oh my God, the Russians have this tremendous technology. They beat us into space and they're going to come down from space to kill us all. Hide under your desks and sirens will be blaring and everything. It was awful. Can you imagine growing up during that? One of the best representations of that Cold War space race era that I really got a good snapshot of was in the first kind of 20 minutes of the animated film The Iron Giant where they're talking about Sputnik and like the (laughs) attitudes and you know what I'm talking about? (laughs) Yeah, with the guys showing like Sputnik's up there, you know? Yeah, anything anything could happen. Any moment and he can strike down upon us and they had no capacity for that well the other thing that's kind of uh, interesting is like all of this is really thanks to development of ICBMs the missiles and stuff from the time intercontinental, intercontinental ballistic, ballistic missiles. missiles yeah you know those are ones that they could fire from Russia and hit the United States but that's I mean that's the technology same technology that was used to get Sputnik into space for rockets right yep well yeah. and I always wanted to ask a question about Sputnik and I'm not expecting either of you to answer this question I'm hoping that like one of our scientific <laughs> NASA fourth listeners will write in after this but why was sputnik it was a ball i get that but what were those damn little four feet prong things that came off of the antenna. end of, what were they for they was, those were antenna okay yeah well so mo That's did it. answer it thank you mo were they antennas mo i, I always imagined they were like for inertia like they had some kind of a little thruster on the end to keep it centered maybe not maybe in space not, not so much i don't think it had any thrusters at all yeah i think it was just up there in its orbit and circling around i don't think it ever like it didn't have fuel on it it was too small i'm gonna give it to mo i think they were antenna you win. Like, you know how big Sputnik was, right? The ball. It was like a basketball, right? It wasn't very big. Uh, it was like maybe two feet around. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was like a medicine ball. So right? Like a yeah, beach a ball, ball or something a like beach that. Ball. Yeah. Beach ball size. So, I mean, yeah. everyone freaked out over a beach ball that basically all it really did was beep. The same I was going to ask, did it, did it have anything <laughs> in it? Like, if those were antenna, what were they, were they trying to relay information were they trying to collect yeah. information just positional data yeah positional it could data, respond back it, it, would, it was like a ping it would, beep, it would ping essentially <laughs> so, so it was, it was there device yeah. Like, yeah. Yep, I'm here. Yep, I'm here. Yeah. Yep, I'm here. Exactly. Well, it was a step in the right direction. And early on, it established that the Soviet Union was ahead of us. And they stayed ahead of us for a long, long time. Oh, my God, yeah. Just a few years after Sputnik, they blew us out of the water again. 1961, they put Yuri Gagarin into orbit, the first right. man to leave the face of the planet and go up into space. Can you imagine that guy? Like, everybody after that, might have had pictures like I'm sure our spy agency stole pictures from them to show oh, yeah. our guys what it would look like but Yuri Gagarin he didn't have anything no pictures nope. no idea of what it was going to look like or feel yeah. like or be like you imagine that guy sitting in that cockpit going <sighs> oh my god I'm in space holy crap 
this. Yeah. And, oh my God, the earth really is round. It's not flat. I wasn't sure <laughs> Yo, what was going to happen. I have proof. <laughs> <laughs> well, we were just talking about whether or not we would go into space. Uh, but think about Yuri Gagarin. Like He doesn't know what the risks are. What are the dangers? Just imagine the pure nationalism that he faced. He was doing this, risking very literally his life at any second oh, yeah. to do something no one had ever done before. Can he even yeah. survive up there? All they could do is guess. Just the courage and the guts that that took. I know that at the time they were our enemy, our rival, whatever you want to call it. But hats off to that man for having the courage to take on that risk and go up into space. If it wasn't for him, how long would it have been before manned spaceflight ever actually happened? Well, the, right. the other thing about that, though, is the reason why that was also a huge impact was because that was actually a race at that point. Like the public knew about it. They knew we were trying to get a man into space. They yep. knew Russia was trying to get a man into space. And it was like a national pride thing to try to get B first. Oh, sure. And that was an extra risk because, you know, they were cutting corners to make sure they could oh, win. Right. Exactly. <laughs> right. They couldn't just wait and do it next year. Like, we're in a hurry. We don't exactly. need four bolts on this panel. We'll just put yeah. two in there real quick. Get exactly. Them in there. Who needs just it? Just cinch it down, put a little tape on it. Let's go. <laughs> Imagine, like, guys at a NASCAR pit crew. You know, they're just running around and throwing stuff on. Put yeah, two that's shiny. On. It's that's metal. Good enough. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, I learned something researching this that I didn't know. Two years after Yuri Gagarin, the Soviet Union sent someone else to space, the first woman to space. Really? Yeah, isn't that crazy? Yeah. Valentina Tereshkova in June of 19. 1963, she went to space to be the first woman to ever go into orbit. Huh. And of I course, the no United idea. States took another like 30 years <laughs> before we did that, but okay. To send a woman to space, yeah. right? Yep. And so it really looked like the Soviet Union was way ahead of us, that they yep. were going to just destroy the space race. And looking back now, it's almost the lead that they had. It, they, they truly say that a lot of great advancements are people standing on the shoulders of giants. Mm -hmm. You know that the technology and the knowledge that was, that was gleaned from the Soviet Union missions into orbit definitely were built upon to allow us to get the first man out to the moon. Oh, yeah. We yeah. stole all that. Absolutely. There's no question. Our guys went out there and stole as much information <laughs> as they could to figure out how to get our guys all the way to the moon and back. There was that like political rivalry between mm -hmm. the Soviet Union and the United States we've talked about. I think the great thing often in the scientific community is they don't feel that same like animosity. Scientists tend to cross over borders yeah. and we'll see that later that happened as the kind of the Cold War ended. So you know, George, that the uh, they definitely built upon what their colleagues were doing to send people into space. Guys, one thing that's important to talk a little bit about is just really one of the most important speakers in American history, just about a year mm. after Yuri Gagarin landed after being launched into space by the Soviet Union, one of our greatest presidents, John F. Kennedy, delivered a speech at Rice Stadium oh, yeah. in Houston, yep. Texas oh, uh, in yeah. September of 1962. It's basically called the We Choose to Go to the Moon speech. We choose to go to the moon. We choose to go to the moon. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other things, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Because that goal will serve to organize and measure the best of our energies and skills. Because that challenge is one that we're willing to accept, one we are unwilling to postpone, and one we intend to win, and the others too. 
Not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Because right. they are hard. Yeah. Is that, that's an amazing line to me. Oh, right. my God. He says, we choose to go to the moon in this decade, which which literally set a stopwatch. Yeah. He's like, listen, right. United yeah. States, yeah. Soviet yeah. Union is cranking. Yeah. Eight years. <laughs> we are doing it. He threw the gauntlet. Yeah. I Just thinking about it, the visual of him up there on the podium and you know, slamming his fist into his hand while he delivered some of the lines. I still tear up every time, just right now, even thinking about yeah, it. Yeah, I'm choking. It's very emotional. And it's, it, it, I think you said when we were talking about during research, George, you said, if not for this speech, not only would we might not have won the space race, we might not have made it to the moon. Yeah. I don't know that without that inspiration that he provided, and especially with the tragic events that happened shortly thereafter with Kennedy, mm-hmm. With right. his assassination, I don't think you make it. And if any other president in our history makes that speech, I don't think you end up there. It had to be him. It had to be at that place. It had to be the way he delivered that speech. Every set of circumstances around it were perfect to inspire us, to push us to the ultimate achievement of setting a human body down on another celestial orb in our galaxy. The thing that really struck me about that speech, too, and especially looking at like political like things today, I guess, in politics, he easily could have done that speech like, the Russians are going to kill us all, blah, blah, blah. We need to do this right away, <laughs> which is probably no. the way his speech would go today or something right. similar, right? Instead, it was very inspirational and positive and inspirational. Yeah. yeah. Which is, we're doing this because it's a challenge and we're up to the challenge. He said, here's why we're doing it because we're wanting to do it and we need to do it. There's even like some jokes in it that people forget about now. Oh yeah. (laughs) Why does Rice play Texas? Because he's talking about all the things that are hard. Why did 35 years ago did we fly across the Atlantic? Why does Rice play Texas? And that was because, you know, Texas always just creamed rice. (laughs) Right. Because they're hard. Yeah. But Rice always kept going back after it because it's the Mount Everest of achievement. So that's what he was characterizing this thing as. We got to space. We landed on the moon in 19 1969. The rest of that is history. Strangely, it's gone downhill a bit since then, as the yeah. space program has not experienced the love that it had in the past. A lot of benefit has come out of that space race, and we're going to talk about those things right after this. Many years ago, the great British explorer George Mallory, who was to die on Mount Everest, was asked, why did he want to climb it? He said, because it is there. Well, space is there, and we're going to climb it. And the moon and the planets are there. And new hopes for knowledge and peace are there. And therefore, as we set sail, we ask God's blessing on the most hazardous and dangerous and greatest adventure on which man has ever embarked. Besides the emotional and the achievement stuff, I think a lot of people don't realize like how much actual practical inventions came out of the fact that we were trying to go to the moon and beyond. Oh, yeah. yeah there was an avalanche of, of technology that was required to do the things that we did, to take somebody off this planet, to fight gravity and get out there and to survive in that hostile environment. I mean, absolutely. And that's the thing that always kind of gets me a little annoyed where people are like, you know, why are we going to space when we could help orphans? Yeah, we can <laughs> spend that money here to such right. benefit. Yeah, believe me, it's getting spent here. It's not just technological in the sense that everybody thinks about technology, right? You say, oh, all these technological inventions happen because of space race. And think people think about computers or gizmos or gadgets or everything. But there were a ton of practical everyday items 
that came out of that w- that we wouldn't know how to live without at this point. Some are obvious, some are not so obvious. So, <laughs> yeah. so what do you think space blankets came from if not from space? Come on, right. hey, <laughs> is that where those came from? <laughs> right, you know those like a tin foily kind of crinkly aluminum. They're in first aid kits all the time. Right, yeah, they were invented out of the space program and that space race because they were thin, but they were very good insulators. And now every single first aid kit that has any kind of a you know protective blanket in it, it's one of those space blankets. Thank you, space race. It wasn't just. Space space like outer space, but it was they had to save space as well on right. the yeah, missions because yeah, yeah. they didn't have that much room in those little tin cans they were flying around in. That's right. right. And that's the thing I, th- I still find amazing is that they really had to, because miniaturization was just starting. They still had transistors and vacuum tubes and stuff the like vacuum that. Vacuum tubes, right. The yep. idea that, you know, okay, we got a limited amount of weight. We have to do X function in this tiny space. We're not packing your grandma's comforter quilted uh, yeah, exactly. blanket in there. <laughs> we got the size of an envelope to fit a blanket. How do we do it? Even think about <laughs> traveling at that point. You know, the rich people, what did they travel with? Those giant steamer trunks like we Big see chest. in Joe versus yeah. the Volcanoes. Yeah. You brought everything, right? right? It wasn't until much later that they, we started figuring out, oh, how can we make smaller suitcases to travel on airplanes with and stuff like that? They're at the forefront of trying to figure out how to pack all that stuff in. Right. If you've ever been to Kennedy Space Center or anywhere that talks mm-hmm. about space, I'm sure that we have all purchased the uh, brown, white, and pink pink astronaut ice cream. <laughs> oh, right? yeah. Yeah. Of course, of course. So freeze drying is uh, yeah. was a technology that came right out of the space race. It wasn't technically invented by NASA, but, but they mastered it. Right. Well, what about things like the memory foam mattress? I had no idea that that, that came was out a of NASA the space adventure. race. That no came way. out nope. of it. Yeah. The seats. Really? So when you're launching, yeah, when you're taking off the G-forces that impact you, mm-hmm. memory foam was developed oh, by NASA. So they wouldn't like, their bones wouldn't get crushed and everything into the seats. So <laughs> Essentially. Memory yeah. Foam. Well, but, uh. yeah, that's a big plus when you don't get your bones crushed. Yes. <laughs> yeah, crushed bones are generally a bad thing. Gotcha. But yeah, it was it was because of, I guess one way I heard is that the since they had variable G-forces, they needed something that could compress and expand yeah. as needed. And not just bounce, like... Like a pillow right. would. Right, yeah. Yeah, we, we've all had children. Did you know that baby <laughs> yeah. formula is thanks to the space race and Seriously. NASA? What? No, yeah. baby formula was way before space race, right? No, they baby food. <laughs> yeah, baby food. Commercially oh, available okay. formulas, the instant formulas. Yeah, the powder like stuff. Like the kind you put in the bottle. I got you. The nutritional components, uh, the ingredients that went into that were devised by NASA as super rich f- formulas that astronauts could drink and just add to water without having to haul all kinds of uh, food and, you know, the, the weight of all that stuff going up there. Yeah. Huh, that's crazy. I had I had no idea. I, like, when you said baby formula, of course, my mind went instantly to like strained peas and strained pureed peas. carrots. <laughs> Surely they had that before then. I didn't think about baby formula like in the bottles. Yeah, because we definitely use that for our child once he got to a certain age. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Think like that infamil powder that you add to water. Right. Those ingredients, that formula is thanks to the space race. Wow. One of my favorites that came out of it, though, um, Uh is the Dust Buster. Right. What? (laughs) Ron Popeil invented something for NASA? Well, the Dust Buster itself, okay, did not. But what they needed was they needed a very small drill, essentially, that they could bring into space with them. And so Black & Decker I think was the one that actually came up with the motor. And after the space race, they use that same motor to power things like dustbusters. Oh, that's right. Okay. So it was the gear inside. It was the tool, the motor inside. Right. Okay. I got well, you. And that small, powerful form factor again. Right. Exactly. Rather than have a giant vacuum, the ability to have a handheld thing that has that kind of power and torque never would have existed. Wow. I mean, it's amazing as you 
look through a list of things that came out of the space race that I never would have thought of the Dustbuster ever. Yep. <laughs> yeah, well, one that's not so surprising, probably infrared thermometers. Really? Yeah, I can see that's, that. I can see that. I can see it, but that's a little surprising. Okay. It's super duper cold. NASA collaborated with private companies to develop the infrared thermometer. Huh. This is something that can measure thermal radiation without being in touch with it. So infrared, it can see the heat coming off of a body. You know, imagine if you're on the other side of a piece of glass and that glass is, is in a airlock. How do you know what the temperatures and the forces are over there? Infrared right. thermometers allowed them to do that. Huh. Wow, that's, just that's crazy. pretty damn cool. And now we can take your temperature without asking you to bend over. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Thank you, Space Race. Thank God. <laughs> you know, we wouldn't have selfies if it weren't for the Space Race. Now, is that something we really want to attribute to this? <laughs> yeah. Is this like, a not everything is a positive. Is this- <laughs> There's a difference between selfies and selfie culture. Let's separate those Okay, now. okay, we'll separate the those. The ability right. to take a photo without handing someone else your expensive phone is beneficial. (laughs) So, okay. So tell me how, because I've seen some of the cameras that were on the guys who went to the moon. They were not as super thin as, you know, our phone cameras and everything. You're right. What do you mean by how does, (laughs) how did we get selfies out of the space race? Yeah, that's a fair point. I was a little stretch, but it's the CMOS sensors that we have in our smartphones today. Those were developed for the space race. So the sensors that are in your phone, your GoPro, whatever, you can trace those origins all the way back to the work of NASA and JPL, huh. where they were working on miniaturization of cameras for interplanetary missions. That's crazy. I think that was like early digital photography, wasn't it? I mean, because they had to basically turn them into a digital signal. That was the effort. Right. 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 So they're taking metal oxide semiconductors as image sensors. And now that technology is in the public domain. And those are those sorts of CMOS sensors that you can have four or five or 10 cameras on your little handheld pocket phone, thanks to the work of NASA in the space race. I've got one that I've always heard about, but I don't know if it's real or not. I heard a story, an internet thing, a myth, whatever, that super soakers came out of the space race. <laughs> Is that true? I, I want it to kind, be. How about kind that? Of, I really want of. it to be true. I mean, right? Isn't that the best fact ever? Can you see astronauts up there with super soakers and they're shooting them through space? That'd be awesome. Or they shoot them and fly backwards because of the force. Right. I, I, <laughs> it's a propulsion system. Just pump it up. <laughs> That's largely true, but not directly. So super soakers were not invented for the space race, but they were invented by a former NASA engineer, Lonnie Johnson. Okay. And they came out of the work he did at NASA experimenting with refrigeration systems. Huh. Yeah. So the technology that and the mind power and the brilliance that he had working with NASA, he turned into a very marketable water pistol. So he's like, woohoo. Good on him. Got the guys to the moon. (laughs) Now I got to invent a water gun. (laughs) Up next, how do I soak my buddy? Yeah. Well, what is like, okay, I my lifetime achievement. Now, how do I make money? <laughs> okay, right, let me come right. up with this. Right. Okay, here's one that is definitely affected me directly more so than you guys because I wear glasses all the time. Yeah. Scratch resistant lenses. Oh, really? Like for your eyeglasses, sunglasses, that kind of stuff? Yeah, because huh. actually before that, glasses were usually glass, actually. <laughs> right, they were ground down and polished and that was it. They were just glass. Yep. Right. And so they decided to move toward more plastic because, again, shatter resistance, they were stronger, they were lighter, and it's the same stuff they used or same kind of technology they use on the spaceships. That's crazy. Yeah, it was they NASA developed that in uh, cooperation with Foster Grant Corporation because they needed scratch really? resistant Foster plastic Grant. glass. Yeah. And so it was a collaboration. Too. Huh. 
Yeah. I thought they only made glasses. That was it. Mo, you talked about glasses. You know, another uh, uh-huh. assistive technology that came out of the space race was the dramatic improvement in artificial limbs that NASA contributed to. Well, that's a little oh, bit wow. creepy. They were worried about their guys' arms and legs getting cut off in space, so they invented artificial limbs? No, no, no. N- not literally making them, but picture like um, Civil War photos that have some of the prosthetic limb. And what is it? It's like a carved piece of wood with some metal bolts and, and stuff in it. Yeah. Right. So prosthetic actually improved thanks to space age advancements like shock absorbing and cushioning and miniaturization of those things that led to prosthetics like artificial knees and legs that behaved like the joints in your legs and arms. So then you actually had a more functional prosthetic for amputees. Wow. I mean, it's amazing how all these different things came together to invent or help invent other technologies later on. And it was all based out of this space race, you know, John F. Kennedy's speech and our competition with the Russians. It's just nuts. I mean, to think about all these things that came out, I can't imagine why a thinking individual in today's society wouldn't see the benefit of us continuing our space exploration just based on this list that you've put together so far. It's nearsightedness is what it is. If you can only see as far as the end of your hand and how do you put money in that palm, you don't really see the big picture of how these endeavors help us globally. Mm -hmm. I think you've just described most of our House of Representatives and Senate. (laughs) Yeah, unfortunately. (laughs) Mo, I know you are in the market for a new washing machine. Is that true? Yes, I am. Yeah. Have you ever considered getting one of those washing machines or refrigerators that have uh, embedded web technology or Internet of Things so you can monitor whether you need milk or whether it's time to change the laundry? I mean, I want to, but I'm having a hard time rationalizing the expense at this point. (laughs) Yeah. You know, if you go that path, all that embedded web technology was first developed by NASA. Oh, I thought you were going to say by Cyberdyne Systems. Yeah. I was like, no, (laughs) stay away from it. What for? Those embedded things were developed largely in recent years for the International Space Station to remotely monitor every little kind of component that they have directly over the network. That's crazy. That's, I mean, I keep okay, saying that makes, phrase over and over again. That's crazy. Because it is crazy. You're not wrong. Wow. The brain power behind some of this stuff, it's just awe-inspiring, really. I mean, there's a lot of like other kind of really practical things that they came up with, like water purification systems. Oh, that makes sense. They Because they had to keep to cleansing the water, the water while they were up in yep. space because they only had so much. Okay. Yeah, that's yeah. right. You got to keep using the pee. <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. And CAT scans. <laughs> Because NASA needed more detailed drawings of the metal components. So they oh, invented the uh, huh. able to do the slices. That was all developed because of the space race. Okay. Wow. Right. Landmine removal. What? Who'd have thunk, There's right? no landmines in space. It's space. It's not land. I know. It's actually the rocket fuel that is used. They actually create a thing that basically shoots it out as such a high intensity heat that they use it to burn through landmines and deactivate them. Wow. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, space race, again and again and again. <laughs> Again, I'm all for going for things that you may not understand the benefit. Because if you look at like the first person to climb Mount Everest, that guy actually had to develop a whole bunch of new equipment to help to him survive him to at the altitude yeah. to do that, you know, which later helped people not even re- wanting to ever climb Mount Everest. And I just think it's along the same lines. You know, like we just said, some of these technologies are continuing to evolve with the International Space Station. The space race has left tons, the legacy of like communication and weather satellites that we utilize, GPS satellites, continuing to evolve. Who can imagine what increased spending on education and research and development? What are the next things that we could get oh, I know. out of a reinvigorated space race? You know, it might be the next really cool super soaker. Who knows? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> One can only hope. <laughs> Think about the technology that's going to need to get us to Mars one day, right? I can't see how that cannot have practical uses yeah. here. Imagine what amazing things are going to come out of that race. Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah. yeah, it's mind boggling. 
Okay, Neil, we can see you coming down the ladder now. So there's a foot on the moon, stepping down on the moon. I'm uh, at the foot of the ladder. The lamb footbeds are only uh, depressed in the surface about uh, one or two inches. Armstrong is on the moon. Yeah, Neil Armstrong, 38-year-old American, standing on the surface of the moon on this July 20th, 1969. That's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. We've talked an awful lot about the things that we've done in the past, but do you guys think we're actually going to be able to return? I know there are planned missions trying to get us to the moon in the next two to three years, and then there's all the Mars space race stuff, but do you guys think we're actually going to really return to space and land on other planets or the moon itself again? Well, I sure hope so. Yeah, me too. It ran so regularly in the 60s and 70s, and it was such a part of nationalism and technology and science. And we just ran through all the things, like you said, that came out of it. Why would you give up on that? I mean, yeah, we have problems locally, but what were you just saying, Mo? Who knows what's going to come out of it if you do the effort? Exactly. I wonder, like, what's the next life-saving? Who knows? They could find a way to help grow more food or help with super soakers like George said. <laughs> that would help us right here on this planet. Right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And the advances in technology notwithstanding, what about the huge amazing impact on pop culture that going to oh, space had? Think of massive. all the movies and toys and foods and things that we would have not had. <laughs> yeah, you're right. What a shame. I mean, some of my favorite movies were right from that. We go from like these awesome inventions and everything to now we're going into pop culture movies and stuff. It's just amazing how large an influence the space race has had, but to think that that's a part of it is just crazy. I mean, those are our modern day heroes. They were. And right. it's about built-in drama. And it's all real, which just makes it even more amazing. Right, Glenn, Armstrong, Aldrin. I oh, mean, those yeah. were real superheroes. And they inspired so much stuff. So we wanted to film the right stuff, of course, that was oh, all about one. the space great race. One. Apollo 13. Oh, man. That wasn't uh, even about landing on the moon. That was post-space race. But what an amazing piece of just cinematic history. What was the quote? It says, that was our greatest failure of all time or something like that. <laughs> you know, Because yeah. they didn't get to the moon, but they got everybody back alive. Our Greatest failure. No kidding. Yeah, a greatest failure. Did you guys see that recent film called Hidden Figures, all about the ladies oh. that worked in the mathematics end of sending people to the moon? I had no idea, and I feel ashamed that I didn't know that. <laughs> you know, I've done a lot of reading on it since then, but yeah, that was another amazing movie. What goes to show you, we talked about the heroes of the space race. What about all the unsung heroes that did mm-hmm. all of the work on the back end? It wouldn't have been possible. It's not just the test pilots who withstood the strain of the G-forces. It's about all the big brains on the ground, and a lot of those were kind of unsung until recently. Recently, they were just kind of living in the shadows. Um, one of my favorite unsung heroes is probably Gene Kranz. He was Mission Control, I believe, right? Oh, right, right. Gene Kranz. Uh, and he was Paul 13. I think he was Apollo 11. He was, but I mean, talk about a guy who could basically herd cats, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and keep everyone calm and keep everyone focused and make almost something that seems to be impossible happen. Just in this past year, did you guys see the film that came out called Apollo 11? It was all no, about it's Apollo on my 11? watch list, but I have not seen it yet. No, not yet. Oh, my goodness. So it isn't a dramatic film at all. I had no idea how much real footage existed from the launch of Apollo 11. And there's a period of this film where you get to watch from the separation of the lander until the moment it sets down on the moon in like real time, the stresses are real. It is mind-blowing. I didn't know Ugh. that footage existed and it's all in this movie. Yeah, I started watching, uh, there's a really cool website and I'll put a link in the show notes that basically does like a real-time landing on the moon from, you know, separation all the way down. And they have like a picture of the mission control. They have 
like the dialogue going back and forth. They have a picture of the limb showing the orientation. It's all on this one website. It's amazing. Oh, man. And you watch that and I'm still, every time I see it, I'm like, how did this even happen? Mm-hmm. Part of me is like, you know, I can almost understand the people who believe it didn't happen because it's just so amazing that it's like. How about an impact on music? How about ground control to Major Tom, George? One of your top 10 <laughs> yeah. one-hit wonders. Right. Do you think that would have ever happened without the space race? Probably not. I mean, yeah. I'm sure that that was, you know, a direct inspiration for that song. I can't imagine why you would, you know, have a countdown to Mission Control if there wasn't a Mission Control <laughs> to begin with. There's nowhere to go. <laughs> right? Uh, Elton John's Rocket Man. Yeah, oh, yeah. Good, good one. Yeah. A great song. Not so great movie, but the song itself is awesome. Do you guys remember when Rush recorded Countdown, which is all about the launch of the first space shuttle? Is that what that's about? It is. Really? Yep. That's what that's about? <laughs> I had no idea that was about I thought it was that. about, you know, microwaving your food in the office lunchroom. That's what it looked like on that commercial, at least. <laughs> it's the final Not the final countdown. countdown. Yeah. No, 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 no. Rush no, and final. Countdown. Not the final Countdown. Oh, that's a different one. <laughs> that's, okay. That's a very different group. That's Foreigner. <laughs> that's yeah, very, that was Foreigner. very different. Okay. Right, right. All right. Easy one. TV shows inspired by space travel. Oh, Alf. Anybody have an obvious one? <laughs> oh, Alf. <laughs> More I was thinking Star Trek, but okay, maybe Alf. Yeah, I would go with Star Trek. Uh, that would be the first one I would think that would hit most sane people's minds, at least. <laughs> what, not Mork and Mindy? I mean, come on. No. <laughs> Those were all aliens coming to Earth, Mo. It oh, required us to go to space. Right. We didn't bring Alf. We didn't bring Mork. Those are, he came in an egg. <laughs> well, <laughs> Star Trek, very specifically, it started in 1966, right in the middle of the space race, but before yeah. we made it to the moon and was canceled just around the time we landed on the moon, coincidentally <laughs> enough. Coincidence? I think not. And now Star Trek is dead. It's never been back, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it just we totally win. faded from. <laughs> you know. yeah. No one's ever heard of it, except for the 10 new series that are coming in the coming well, two no, years. No, that's right? why Mo kept bringing up Alf and Mork and Mindy, because he had never heard of Star Trek. <laughs> is that it? <laughs> yeah. Mo, I'll Star give you some links in the show notes of. to show you that Star Trek's still around. Oh, wow. <laughs> I don't know if we have enough time to talk about all the space toys that came out of oh. or the kids' love for the space race. Oh, no. There's no way. Every little laser pistol and laser tag and rocket ships and, oh, my goodness. I mean, even like Buzz Lightyear. <laughs> I mean, you've got all these things from, you know, the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, Oh, sure. 2000s. Yeah, exactly. It yeah. never stops. And the reason why it never stops is because kids want to imagine themselves being astronauts. They want to imagine yeah, themselves being cops, robbers, firemen, astronauts. But when you talk about going to a different planet or traveling amongst the stars, that's like hugely inspirational to a kid's imagination. And that's why those toys are so super popular. And can we talk about some of the great arcade games that were inspired by that whole space race and the love of it? You got your asteroids, Asteroids. you got your lunar lander, space invaders, Pleiades, I mean, (laughs) Galaga, Galaxian. And anytime you have a spaceship fighting aliens, that is all about that space race mentality. What's out there in the unknown? Hey, how about Lunar Lander? Of course, you're landing <laughs> on the damn moon. <laughs> yeah, that's one of the that. few non-violent space games out there. I mean, all the rest of them is like, oh, aliens <laughs> are coming in, we got to shoot them, or they're shooting us. Well, or until your lander runs out of gas and hits the rock, because it is pretty yeah, violent. But it's not like you're adversarially attacking someone else. True, right. It's preserving gas. I still remember playing that game, and all of a sudden, like you, like you said, you run out of fuel, and you're like, "Crap!" <laughs> you just watch it crush. Right. It if to you're the fast, ground. you can put in another quarter and get more fuel. But I never had that many tokens ready. <laughs> and a good lunar lander felt like you were manning a craft. Remember, it had that giant bar you could lift to increase thrust. You oh yeah, that oh button. yeah. It had like a, the big lever. Right. The early ones also had like a huge speaker, a, a woofer in it that would go. 
Yeah. yeah. Yep. And you felt the thrust. Those were so much fun. You, I'm a spaceman. Yay. Yay. <laughs> oh, my God. I died again. Think of the figure of speech that came out of the of the space race. How many times have you heard? I can't believe we can put a man on the moon, but we can't do insert thing here. Right. Can't cure the common cold. Fix these damn potholes. Do this. You know, whatever it is. <laughs> it's like so many things we talk about in our backtracks. It became part of like that social consciousness. It was just part of the way you thought. The space race and the, the race to the moon. Even after we landed there, it didn't stop. Maybe one of the most iconic things that came out of the space race to hit your breakfast table, though, was a little <laughs> orange drink that we all had oh, as yeah. kids. Oh, gotta love Tang. 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 We are recording this, what is coincidentally the exact date of the landing on the moon, July 20th, the 50th anniversary. 50th anniversary. Uh, wow. We're all together here in Jacksonville, Florida at the True Gamers Expo 2019. Sure. Yeah. And even though we didn't record the entire podcast here, I thought we should get together since we're in the same room. We even have a guest here joining us, Marcus, one of our patrons Hello. and uh, longtime listeners and fans. Thanks for hanging out with us, Marcus. Thank you. I stopped by the grocery store and I got what? some Tang oh. drink mix. Okay, nothing says going to outer space than Tang. <laughs> right. Not the rockets, not NASA. No, 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 none of that stuff. It's no. Tang. Tang and Velcro. Yeah, I know I drank it as a kid in at least 30 years. What about you guys? Oh, at least that long. Yeah, under 10 years old probably <laughs> so I remember, last time. Yeah, I remember having it as a kid because my mom bought it once because I begged her to. And I think I pretended to like it because <laughs> I forced my mom to buy it. So are you going to be honest today if you like it or don't like it? Probably not. That's no, what we're going to find out. We're going to find out two things. Do we like it? And also, is it what you remember? Right. Marcus, did you have Tang? I, I did. Yeah. I didn't particularly care for it. You didn't like it. No, okay. Right. I loved it as a kid. What about you, George? I'm just thinking what a great choice you had for guests. Somebody who hates the drink. Somebody who hates it. <laughs> Why is it hated it? I vaguely remember it. I mean, I think I liked it because I did like the fruity Kool-Aid type mm-hmm. of drinks, and Tang was certainly in that realm. And it's cheaper than orange juice. Yeah. And it's basically orange juice. Right. Well, it kind of feels like you're an astronaut, right? Yep. So I'm holding in my hand Tang drink mix, orange natural flavor, makes six quarts. Okay, one thing I want to point out though right off the bat is that I remember the jar. Oh, the the glass jar. The glass yeah. jar. The gla- See, what the I remember was yeah, exactly. with the metal lid. Yeah, yeah, yeah with the I metal lid. I kind of remember that one, but I remember more the cylinder that was green cardboard. That's kind of what I remember. I more. don't remember that one at all. I remember the glass jar. Okay. I remember the glass jar. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe where he was, he didn't have glass yet. Yeah, right. no. <laughs> so, so, so it says one serving is eight ounces of water with two level teaspoons. I don't think we even have eight ounce no. things here. So probably one level teaspoon of this with about a half a bottle of water, I'm guessing. Okay. So each of you, you have your cups, you have your spoons. All right, here let's, we go. Uh, let's get you a uh, about four ounces of water or so. That's like four ounces. Yeah, ish. Oh, you give me four and a half. Like the four and a half. Okay. <laughs> you just ruined those drinks. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> that's gonna be the problem. The experiment is ruined. Oh, it's not what I remember smelling it like. <laughs> was give it, it was a whiff. A good smell. Oh dear. It's powerful. Yes. It's a powerful. It's fruity. Wow. That's like not orange. That's something it's disturbing. It's supposed to be orange sickle. Like a dream sickle a kind of. Oh, maybe. Yeah. Okay. So right, one, one level teaspoon. He's going to do a heaping <sighs> teaspoon. Jesus Christ. Hell yeah. All right. Heaping. you got to overdo it if you're going to do it. I think you <laughs> Any, did. Anything worth doing is worth overdoing. You more powder than liquid in that cup. That's right. All right. That's the way to have it. Tang it up. Okay. If, it's, if you can see through it, it's not tang. 
if you could see through it. <laughs> you know what, Mo? What? It might have been, but the reason I didn't like it is because we did like we're supposed to. Oh, you, you followed the instructions? That's yeah, right. I'm, I'm go more heaping. heaping. It looks Pulpy exactly pulp. like orange juice. It does. Like, not pulpy. Right. Just no. very, very... Yeah. Yeah. All right. Did you get your tang there, Marcus? Yes, sir, I did. Okay. Oh, you, you got to make sure all these grounds are purpose. I'm looking... <laughs> They're not browns. <laughs> sugar grounds. Yeah. Orange grounds. All right. There's still, go. like, a little grit in the bottom of mine, yes. which is the best okay, part grit. of the end. That's grounds, the best grit. part? Ugh. All right. No way. All right, here we go. Are we going to drink them now? All right. I say we cheers we, to the 50th yes. anniversary of the moon Toast. landing. Cheersing with Tang. Cheering with Tang. Woo! Just like I remember it. It's better than I remember. It's a lot weaker than orange juice. Watered down orange juice. Watered down orange, Water down orange juice. juice. <laughs> yeah. If you had orange juice over ice and the ice melted, this is what you would have. This is airline orange juice. Is what this is. <laughs> Although, if I was an astronaut, this is what I had to drink. I wouldn't upset me. It beats water. Exactly. Well, it's not like you're going to run down to the grocery store to get it. Though, if you're an astronaut. I mean, yeah, but you can measure being space. I mean, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go again. You're drinking more of this. I'm going again. Anybody else wow. want some more? I'm going to do it again. I'm so I haven't finished my first. So one. let's go. Well, I, you got to chug uh, it. I'm not chugging this. This is not like at a keg party or All something. All right. So let's uh, let's let go around. Mola, start with you first. Do you like it? Has a weird aftertaste. Because I'm asking. Stop getting. <laughs> Just answer the question, sir. You're on the stand. Actually, it's not awful. How about that? It's it's like if like I said a if, ringing if, endorsement for Tang. But is it like it's you remember? Actually, it's exactly like I remember. Okay, Marcus, do you like it? Uh, actually, I like it much better than I remember. And it isn't. It's not how you remembered it. It's, it's better not, than you remember. It's not. Yes. Okay. You, you, you follow directions. That's right. right. I think directions. <laughs> breaking the law. Breaking the law. George, um, I'd say sixty-five percent in favor of liking it, thirty-five percent not liking it. Yeah, I, I guess I could see that. Yeah, it's weaker than I remember, but maybe I over scooped when I was a kid. There you go. Now you get it down. Now you're yeah. talking. Now yeah. I'm talking. I've got George just put in another heaping spoonful in of his half drunk one that was already there. So, <sighs> all right. Don't be careful because so, it'd be too strong. You know. I was gonna say I got a feeling I'm gonna go into like some kind of diabetic coma. So the Tang drink mix makes six quarts, and I want to say this little jug was like four fifty. <laughs> so it's a lot more cost effective than orange juice. But I'm going to say if you want to mix it right, you got to double up. Yeah. So three. So quarts. it's three quarts, but still three quarts of orange drink is not bad for <laughs> for four fifty or five bucks. It has natural flavors of some sort in it, right? It well, says it, natural flavor right under natural. It's natural chemicals. Yeah. <laughs> naturally occurring orange chemicals. Oh crap! That actually is better. Way better. <laughs> Double down. That actually is better. That's a lot better now. That's really orange juice almost. So there's I think the secret. I should have known you when I was younger. I yeah. Know. There you go. That's the secret. I'm, Dub, I'm, double up on the scoops. Usually don't. You know I don't agree with Mo very often. But yeah. Mo's got it right this time. There's an alignment of planets apparently. Man. Let me tell you. Only a big seal better. A little vodka. You're set. I can say that, right? So between his vodka and him liking it, you may have to secure this. <laughs> you're gonna lose your, you're gonna my my lose jug your of tang powder could be uh, at risk. <laughs> That's right. One more time. Major cheers, everyone. Cheers. Big tang cheers. Ching, ching, ching. We're, we have to make your plastic cup, so we got <laughs> John will put in a sound effect. Yeah. <laughs> tinkle, tinkle. <laughs> Fix that in post. The Gemini space flights. The trips are long. The training is hard, but the astronauts do some things you do. In space, they drank Tang. They mixed it like this in a zero-G pouch, because with no gravity, it would fly all over. 
If there was anything in this show you'd like to learn more about, the show notes which accompany each episode are full of links to click and explore. Catch up on past episodes and get pinged every time a new one's released by subscribing wherever you listen to podcasts. And you know, iTunes reviews help more than you know, so if you haven't yet, please rate and review us in the iTunes app. And if you have a friend who isn't yet listening, why not? Tell them about us, they'll thank you later. You're our fourth listener, and we'd love to read your emails right here on the show, so hit us up at podcast at genxgrownup.com. And finally, Gen X Grown Up is more than just this podcast. Our YouTube channel has hundreds of videos ready for you to enjoy, plus you can find our entire body of work on genxgrownup.com. Even though as Gen Xers, we were kind of on the tail end of the space race, it was a huge impact on us. And I want to, before we leave the show, talk about how we remember it and how it impacted our lives growing up. And I want to start not with Mo or George or me. I want to start with Thomas. He inspired this backtrack. And Thomas says, for me, it was huge. In elementary school, during library time, I would hightail as fast as I could for the encyclopedia section and read all about manned missions. By the time I was 10, I could tell you everything about the Mercury, Gemini, <laughs> Apollo missions, the crew, the mission objectives, the problems, root causes, the failures. He became an expert on those things, and it became awesome. a formative part of his youth. George, how about you? What are your memories? How did the space race impact you growing up? I think for me, coming a couple of years after we had already landed on the moon it was more just hearing the stories from my parents mm, yeah as i grew a little bit older because of course i don't have memories from when i was a newborn in 71 sure. <laughs> most yeah, of my right. memories are you know 76 77 and my parents talking about how important it was for us to beat the russians into space and then we didn't do that so then beat the russians to the moon which we were able to accomplish yeah. and that was a big deal for nationalism and pride especially for my father and it was one of the few things that i was able to try and influence him into watching we talked about star trek earlier and he wouldn't watch science fiction with me very often but if i framed it in that well you know this is kind of a show that kind of talks about how cool americans <laughs> were for going to space nice. even though that's not what star trek was but it was my way of getting him to watch it so i could watch it as a kid you know on television that's awesome i, I, I was a little bit like thomas not a, not so much in the nitty-gritty and details i could name every single astronaut and all of the problems but i was very inspired by just the swashbuckling aspect and the adventure of going to space and returning to space. And as a kid, I wanted to be an astronaut. Of course, my love for outer space stuff was you know, the games and the media and the pop culture that we all talk about on Gen X growing up all the time. But I feel still feel like the culmination of the space race and landing on the moon was probably the greatest achievement that we have accomplished as a race of living beings, regardless hmm. of whether it was the US or Soviet Union, just as a planet. It's always inspired me and it's something I hope doesn't Die. Mo, how about you? What are your memories and thoughts? Oh, geez. It's, uh, I mean, my earliest memories, probably I was about, oh, geez, probably eight or nine. I was bored and uh, I already <laughs> do a decimal system in the house. Right. We're taking and care so of that. At this point, <laughs> and I was just looking through some like old papers my dad had in the closet and I found that he had kept the New York Times headline when we landed on the moon. Like, oh. He kept that paper and yeah. he had technical drawings for the limb. Wow. I don't know why he, he picked them up somewhere along the way. And I had no idea what this was about. And I started talking to my dad about it and it sounded like science fiction when he told me about it you know what i mean it's mm -hmm. you know when you're eight or nine you're like we went to the we actually landed on the moon really <laughs> and really from there i just started doing a bunch of reading and I, if i just couldn't get enough of it like i was like tom i mean if there was anything related to space i was reading about it because it just seemed so unbelievable to me that we
we, like you said, John, as a race, that we accomplished this thing that I just wanted to eat up as much information about as I could get. Pretty awesome stuff. Thomas, we can't thank you enough for suggesting this idea for our backtrack. And we can't think of any better time to uh, do it and present it to our listeners than here on the anniversary, 50th anniversary of the landing on the moon. Before we get out of this show, I want to very briefly thank all of our patrons over on Patreon who support us. And I'm talking about you, Greg and Thomas and Will, Dana, Corey, Chad, Levi, Stee and Agile, Titu, Slomos, Chewbacca, Marcus, and Mike. Oh, I love that it takes two full breaths to get through those. <laughs> yeah, we're waiting for the day you pass out. You know, that's We look forward to it. If only it could be soon. <laughs> we look forward to that. <laughs> These are all folks that take a couple dollars a month and support us financially over on Patreon.com slash Gen X Grown Up to help us run the podcast and the YouTube channel and the website we could not thank you enough and appreciate you until next time i am john george thank you for being here yes sir mo always appreciate you oh man always fun and fourth listener you know we appreciate you most of all and we will talk to you next time bye-bye see you guys take care everybody no life no fun don't you know that you're a grown-up Gen X Grown Up is a member of the Evergreen Podcast family. Learn more at evergreenpodcasts.com. We're also an affiliate of the Geeks Worldwide Radio Network. You can check them out at the GWW.com. Welcome back, Gen X Grown Up Podcast listeners to this backtrack edition of the Gen X Grown Up Podcast. My voice seems way too loud here. I'm going to adjust the level of my microphone. <laughs> Like inertial, inertial, inertial. How do you say the word inertial? Well, inertial. I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I can't know if I can comment. I don't I can't know say that the word. word that you're trying to say. So the space ace. So the space ace. Come on. <laughs> That's Dirk. a game. That's a game. <laughs> right. <laughs> In a world infatuated with comic fandom comes a show to help us remember the talents that have inspired us. Whoa, 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 cut. Oh, come on. It wasn't that bad. It's a bit dramatic. Let's just tell them about the show, guys. We are the Canned Air Podcast. Join us weekly for a comedic trip through pop culture. We also welcome some cool comic creators, as well as some of the voice and screen actors that help shape your childhood. Find us on cannedairpodcast.com and on the Evergreen Podcast Network.